Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting the knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to empower you, our listeners. Uh, That's awesome. We try to do, as we hope we do every time we're on the air, empower you to knowing and impacting the world around you. And... We thank you for helping us to accomplish that, and we we appreciate all that you've done and are doing and will do to help us continue to do that. And as, as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, primary means, if you'd like to get your thoughts, insight, or commentary on the air, create a dialogue, you can do so by calling 347-237-5230. That is the number to call if you would like to get your uh be on the air live. You can also visit our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook, and there you can access archive shows um, and listen to uh, all of those shows and share commentary and dialogue on that. The other way you can do is follow us on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at Zero Radio, and my personal handle is at Prophesy, P R O P H E P S I. And shoot us an email, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. We're excited to be there. Um, we're still kind of reeling back from some um, some things that's happened. Um, we're having to do low-grade technology right now because of break-in. Um, and some theft that happened, and so set us back a little bit. But we're going to be recovering soon, and hopefully we'll be much upgraded, <laughs> a much-needed upgrade to our equipment and everything so we can uh, put on a wonderful show for you. Uh, but today we have a special show. It's not really special. It's just uh, we'll be doing um, sharing some reflections, insights, observations uh, that we've had during this Lenten season this year as well as um, giving insight um, to other things that we may have. And as always, we try to, try to make this program, uh, this broadcast, informational as possible, informative as possible, and empowering as, in, as in 
empowering as possible. So that's what we intend to do. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God of grace and mercy, we thank you. We observe your loving kindness toward us. We recognize your goodness and your mercy and compassions that are new every morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Uh, as we go forth through the rest of this broadcast, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I am in a bit of recovery. I mean, I tell you, this weather has been crazy for me. Um, not only has it been spring weather, and um, if you know the south, the south can be sporadic with weather, <laughs> especially during the spring when um, um, you're subject to tornadoes and dangerous storms and uh, across this system. There's a weather system moving right now that's creating that, you know, very, very bad weather. Um, but it's affecting my health. Uh, I didn't realize I was I was prone to a lot of allergies until I moved to Mississippi, and I'm around a lot more stuff that's got me all kind of discombobulated. <laughs> so, so listening to your prayers and your thoughts um, as the season goes further, you know, and, and get a little more agitated um, with this pollen and what whatnot. But anyway, we'll do whatever we can to stay healthy, and we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Um, later on, but um, uh, I also had a little stomach bug. Man, I tell you, that's nothing nice. But I'm recovering, and I'm grateful for that recovery. Um, but uh, I, I got a couple of headlines I just thought I would share. Um, that I I, you know, every I come across news, um, different sources, particularly I I I um follow news that affect the church directly or indirectly, and um, so I've been following this, and I just came across a news um, report from Black Christian News, and you can go to blackchristiannews.com um, to find it. It's a story about um, uh, Muslims killing nearly 200 Christians in Nigeria. Um, uh, Muslim Fulani herdsmen killed more than 200 Christians in uh, Nasarwa. Uh, Nasawawa, I guess I that's I may have massacred that. Um, but these are the kind of things that you don't hear in mainstream media. These are the kind of things that a lot of churches are uninformed, um, particularly because Nigeria is not only the um, one of the largest population centers in on the continent of Africa, um, but it also is a has a thriving Christian population that is uh as of late um come under assault by um Muslim radicals, uh most notably Boko Haram and um if you remember you recall just a several years ago, about four years three or four years ago, uh they kidnapped over uh three hundred schoolgirls and many of them have been returned uh, but they're still a lot who are in captivity, forced to captivity, forced to marry their captors, uh, being raped. And those stories are not making, not just the mainstream media, but they're not even making the news in the church community, the Christian church, uh, the American Christian church community. Um, and that, that um, not only do I find that appalling, but I also find it very disconcerting um, that we are not as concerned about our sisters and brothers 
who are not near us. And uh, we also have the issue that's going on in South Sudan, the new country in Africa, you know, fairly new, not even five years old, I believe. But they're in the midst of a civil war because of drought and famine. And while that has gotten some um, some news, some major uh, mainstream news outlets and some Christian news outlets are reporting it, uh, what it is, what's disturbing is that these are, if you recall, you know, South Sudan seceded from uh, North Sudan because North Sudan was largely Islamic and South Sudan, now what is now South Sudan was largely Christian. And so what you have is this inter, uh, interfighting with a mostly Christian country. And supplies are being uh, withheld largely from the Western nations that could really step in and, and cause this to cease. And the supplies that are getting there, well, because they're being pillaged because, you know, again, uh, it's chaos. Um, and I hate to see my brothers and sisters in those areas be so neglected. Um, it is safe to say, it is safe to say that our country, America, and the Western countries, more developed countries, can do more to intervene. We should have done more to intervene in places like Somalia also, where they're facing a similar issue. Um, We've got to do better. We've got to raise the awareness. And, um, you know, campaigns would do one thing, but we have to do more tangible things. We have to uh, be more engaged. And I'm talking about myself, too, uh, support missions that... uh, do such, um, and although I don't agree, for example, although I don't agree with a lot of what Franklin Graham does, but his Samaritan's Purse organization is in those areas. They're trying to do what they can to uh, decrease the violence in those areas and increase uh, the presence of Christian stewardship and Christian uh, love and um that, and I commend them for doing that, and uh, many other organizations, and um, including our uh, our church, are trying. We're doing what we can, uh, but again, you know, we must do more. What that more looks like, I can't say, um, but there's always more to be done. But just to hear that these killings are happening in uh, uh, these communities. Leaving people dead and confiscating the farms and the schools and homes and things like that in these villages and the churches uh, is it, just it is just um, it's very sad. And while they are petitioning Nigeria's National Assembly to get uh, more assistance in that particular area, it's still. You know, uh, Nigeria's, while it is a, some would say it's a Christian state. I, I um, It is a Christian state, one of the largest churches in the world, and one of the wealthiest pastors in the world. Um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but um, it's, like, it's located in the country. And again, uh, quite a bit of Africa's wealth is located in that area, in that country too. So it is what it is. But pray for 
those countries in Africa. Pray for those Christians um, in the Middle East, in Syria, uh, who are refugees and they're trying to make their 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 cross, or as some are trying. A lot of the Coptic church in, in Syria are trying to hold their ground, and many are being driven out by ISIS uh, in areas like Damascus and other places. Um, we don't realize how much persecution is really happening in the world against Christians, but more more so against Christians of color. Um um, Philippines and areas like this. We we, it's it's just. Yeah, I just wanted to bring some awareness to that because those are kind of things that just don't get reported and need to be reported, and people need to know that this is happening. Um, so I just share that again. This source comes from uh, Black Christian News Network. You get that. Uh, you can get that there. Now let me ask you a question. What would you do? What would you do if your pastor um, was convicted of a crime that involved a minor? And particularly, what would you do if your your pastor was convicted of uh, sexual relations with more than one minor, male or female? What would you do? Would you welcome the pastor back, or would you um, stand by your pastor, or would you um, would you Tell the pastor to get on. This is becoming a a, a a great. Well, I won't say great. It's becoming a more a more uh, prevalent issue in in church today, and not just the black church, but um, um, across the board. You know, we we saw it what happened with the Catholic Church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, but now. In the Church of God in Christ, there have been several accusations of uh, misconduct by clergy, both um, in leadership of all levels. And, and it's going on more frequently than we will care to admit, but I think we need to be more proactive when we... When we uh, as 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 pastors as members of churches, we need to be more pa- proactive. There's a there are several pastors right now who are facing um, who are have been convicted. Uh, well, they have been indicted. They have yet to be convicted. Um, you know, they've been arrested for and charged with um, misconduct with juveniles and. We're seeing this in the black church, and I'm not saying it hasn't happened. Um, of course, we know it's probably has been existing for generations, um, but this is it's, it's becoming a plague on uh, our church, not just with juveniles, but sexual misconduct across the board. Um, uh, with men and women who are pastoral leadership take advantage of that leadership. For sexual gratification of any kind, uh, it, it's it's an affront to Christ, and it drives people away from the church instead of bringing people, drawing people to Christ. And I think that should be a great concern to us. How do we deal with it as pastors? The question: How how should we deal 
with these persons um, who commit such crimes. Well, I know in our church we do have a we do have a a, a section in our book of doctrine and discipline that gives us the um, you know process. It gives both the preacher and the victim due process for um, reporting and um, adjudicating um, alleged activity. And I'm glad that the federal government recognizes our our system. That's a wonderful way. But a lot of churches don't have that. A lot of churches don't have a judicial council where they can adjudicate cases uh, involving sexual misconduct. There are a lot of churches that try to sweep it on the rug comes back to hurt them. So the question then becomes in those churches what what is it what can be done to call for greater accountability? And um how can that accountability be done without infringing upon the rights and um the um reputation of those persons who have been accused or who are victims. I get tired of reading cases where the victims are placed as, um, you know, uh, as devils, seductresses, or seducers, seducers of, of the pastor. And the pastor is seen as the holy person, the one who... Uh, had a brief moment of um, what is it uh, where their will fail <laughs> I can't even <laughs> but it's just the idea that in some in a lot of places uh, the victim is demonized and because they are demonized they have no weapon um, to assist them they have no means of uh, Accurately, you know, authentically getting justice from those who are supposed to love justice and do justice and love mercy. You know, that's what we're called to do. But that's what happened in a lot of churches, and it's rather unfortunate. Um, so, I want to encourage you if you know of any immorality or in in um, inappropriate behavior among your clergy leadership, don't be afraid to report it. You know, don't just don't. If you have alt against your brother, you need to go to your brother. And you know, um, in this case, and alt if 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 it's involving a juvenile in particular, uh, should be reported. You know, it just should be reported, verified, and reported, and allow the judicial process to run its course. But but it is what it is. Um, I'm trying to work through this little stomach bug. It's still kind of irritating me um, a bit. I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the. I'm going to share some of my later reflections, some of the things that um, uh, I think have will benefit us all. That's definitely been benefiting me over these last uh, weeks. And um even though I, I've I've been practicing some of them for some time, I, I think this is going to be a benefit for all of us. So we'll take a quick break, and when I come back, we'll we'll um, get into the topic of the day. I'll be right back.
my show, uh, realized that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents, but then I remembered that I had security, I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com, now here's the good thing about Carbonite.com, they have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff, they got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to their site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, what are you using that? Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. Welcome back to Zero Day. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and um, glad that you're tuning in. Um, if you are uh, have not tuned in before, welcome. This is a wonderful show. We're glad that you joined in with us, and you can also go back and um, visit the show site at uh, uh, Blog Talk Radio, Zero Day, and listen to archive shows back all the way back to 2011. Join us on our Facebook page. Subscribe to that. Like that page, and you can listen to archive shows. Also, pick us up on iTunes uh, if you can. You can download them. Uh, all shows there. Follow us on uh, all our social media. We invite you to do so, and we're glad that you're joining in. I just wanted to share um, 
Uh, you'll be hearing promos coming up. I've been blessed um, to have been in. When I was 12 years old, I answered this, the call to preach. And and I had a wonderful pastor uh, who who took my hand and at the tender age of 12 years old showed me example what ministry is about. I had the opportunity to shadow him and and follow him just about everywhere he went to preach, every revival, uh, spent nights at his home and uh, interface with his family, interact with his family of Carter, his family, and and when I was when he thought I was ready, I was about 16 years old. Finally, gave me that big pulpit. I was speaking at youth days all the time, you know, little youth events here, youth day here, uh, and um, got licensed to preach 25 years ago. And on May 20th of this year, May 20th, 2017, uh, we celebrating officially 25 years. In the ministry, and I want to invite you to come in. It'll be at New Bethel Church in Jackson, Mississippi, and you're more than welcome to come and participate in that. So, anyway, just thought I'd put a plug. You'll be hearing more about that anyway uh, in the upcoming future. Um, so, this is the Lenten season. We're only about two weeks away from um, um, Palm Sunday, and about three weeks away from um, observing the resurrection. And uh, each 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 year, you know, I don't always give up anything for Lent. I I use Lent as a means. Of course, I do it throughout the year, continually. But uh, it's more heightened during the Lent season for me to just take moments, more uh, more calculated moments, more intentional moments, to be reflective and absorb. Observational. Now, I'm always a people watcher, but it, I, I try to have a heightened sense of awareness. And during the Lenten season, um, for two reasons. Huh? The, the first reason I, I do that is because I believe Jesus had that model. I, I believe Jesus had that same heightened sense. When you read through um, um, the days... Um, the time prior to him being crucified, you, you get this heightened awareness, particularly the week that he goes into Jerusalem. On his way into Jerusalem, there's one incident that really stands out, and that's the, the incident of the fig tree. And um, he's so heightened in his awareness that he realizes that the fig tree should have fruit, but it does not. And he speaks to the fig tree, and the tree withers away. You know, it withers. And when you read the gospel accounts, um, the disciples are uh, somewhat um, disheveled and somewhat confused about it. But they see uh, on their route back uh, what has happened as a result of him speaking to a fig tree that it withered and was no longer productive. And it's just things like that. And then you... You see his heightened interactions with others, uh, particularly um, with those uh, in in the Pharisees. You see his heightened interaction with them. He, you know, kind of is more aware of their intent not only to kill him, but their intent to keep people out of knowledge, to keep people in bondage to the law, to keep people. Uh, in the status quo, 
And then, of course, leading up to the Last Supper, you see a very heightened sense of uh, his awareness of hostility. He and Peter have a conversation. He's watching. He's washing the disciples' feet, and um, Peter says, you know, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus said, don't, you know, that's what a bath is for. You know, this this purpose is not for me to wash you, to make, you know, to, to clean you, but this is for me to demonstrate you the type of leadership you need to have. You must be a servant, you know, you must be willing to do the things that uh those people who uh, would not or who are in leadership would not necessarily do. So there's this heightened sense of uh, existence that Jesus um, provides us with when we read through those texts leading up to his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, And I think that's part of what we take for granted in the church today. And while a lot of people will have the the um, sunrise service and resurrection services and all of this, whatever you want to call it, Easter morning service, and children may have their their poems and things of that nature, this these forty days before uh, Good Friday allows provides an opportunity for us to really get serious about what this person Jesus of Nazareth did. And the significance of it. Why was it so significant that it changed how we even see time? Why Why is he still so relevant to today? Why is his death, why is his resurrection, whatever, however you per- perceive it, you know. <laughs> if you perceive it as a spiritual resurrection, if you perceive it as a physical resurrection, I'm not here to argue that. Uh, but I, I do see an opportunity for us to use this person, Jesus of Nazareth, and his heightened sense of awareness and how how much he he engaged himself to the point that he realized his time was near, his time was drawing near. And he, as he tried to communicate that with his disciples, he found it difficult that they couldn't comprehend what he was trying to get across them. They didn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. And... I think today he's still speaking those things to us, and we are still not fully comprehending what he's trying to get across to us. So, you know, I took these moments to reflect, and I have several sources that I draw from, and um, two sources in particular I just want to share. And one is not gospel Christ-centered or anything like that. One is uh, uh, Greg Anderson's uh, 22 Non-Negotiable Laws of Wellness. Um, feel, think, and live better than you ever thought possible, and and uh, the other one is a book called Soul Feast, and Soul Feast is um, by Marjorie Thompson, and it's a great book that you could um, that helps you cultivate uh, greater awareness of spiritual disciplines that you can integrate into your your life. Um, and there's several others I could probably give you. Uh, oh, oh yeah, there's another one I've been using. Um, the emotionally healthy uh, spirituality by um, Scacero. I, I can't say his name right, but uh, Peter uh, Scacero. 
uh, he has a book, and this is the, actually there's a book and there's a workbook uh, that comes with that, and I've been doing a study with that, and uh, we're going to be actually using uh, this book uh, in our leadership development here at the church as a means of team um, team building and spiritual empowerment. But these are just some resources I've been using in my personal um, personal devotion and personal uh, spiritual development. I just thought I'd share. But um, drawing from um, Greg Anderson's book, there are two things that really stood out to me, uh, and two laws that he puts in that book that really stood out to me. One is the law of human dignity, and the second is the law of living in the present moment. Um, those two things right there are very, very powerful components to your individual spiritual growth and development, as well as your evangelical outreach to others. Let me explain how these two, um, for me, um, really categorize and envelop the ideology of Jesus as this person who is heightened in his awareness, heightened in his in in his intentionality of being a model as well as representing the kingdom of God leading up to his death. Let me show you. Jesus represented and he displayed the law of human dignity. Every opportunity he had he shared the value of that other person. You think about the woman in Luke chapter 18 who was bent over for all these years and he he said to her, woman thou art loosed from thy um, uh, infirmity. I, I think that's the right scripture. But uh, T.J. Jace built a whole, <laughs> a whole mega ministry off that one phrase, woman thou art loosed. It still goes on today. But he, Jesus displayed such empathy toward her when others had already counted her out. And he did not see her as not being worthy of his attention. The same with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. The same with all persons, Jarius and his daughter, um, and the woman who touched the hem of his cloth. Uh, uh, he engaged them where they were. He looked past what others saw of them and engaged them where they were. Now, to make this more relevant, um, in ministry, that's what we do. I'm on the front line of ministry. My members are the front line of ministry. We should all be on the front lines of ministry, engaging people where they were, where they are, and not looking past them because of their station in life. And I think the church is very guilty of doing that over the centuries, you know, um, even more so now as in the black churches we become more wealthy and uh you know we are able to do more i find it i find it rather distressing that we're not caring for the least of these and we have the government trying to figure out how do we care for the least of these do we keep entitlement programs or or do we scrap it all to save money and and that's what trump is trying to do you know he, he calls himself the deal maker the negotiator or whatever um 
But when we see the value of human dignity, as Christ, as Jesus and Nazareth saw it, as Christ saw it, then even when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and one of his own cut off someone's ear, he recognized that even though this person has come to arrest me, this person's life is still valuable. This person's life is still meaningful. This person's life is still relevant. Even though it's antagonistic towards me, it's not me that I'm concerned about. So what does he do in the midst of all that? While his ears off, the man, he's probably wailing. He's probably upset. He's probably mad. And the rest of the people who are ready to attack Jesus intervenes. Gets the man's ear and put it back on according to the scripture. Heals the man. He sees the value of the human dignity. And I know it's hard for us as humans sometimes to do that. We must find a means of, of, of doing so, not just being sympathetic, but also being empathetic. And being empathetic does not mean you're weak. That it means that you are human. And it's a human Humanity, our human is that we should first uh, take into consideration. And then the second thing that I really value from uh, Anderson's book is the law of being in the moment, the present moment. I think I'm learning this more so now, especially after having this physical sickness. The value of being in the present moment, living in the now. I was in a concert at an event uh, not long ago. And uh, one of the performers was like, look, this is a live event. Try to try your best to enjoy the live event. You know, if you're going to Facebook Live it, consider the fact that you paid for it and you're going to allow other people to see it for free. How, how, how beneficial is that for you? Well, think about what you're really missing trying to record something and you're there and you're not even really able to engage it. In that moment, you know, and so I, I I take that same application to your life. You know, living in the present moment does not mean neglecting the events of the present moment, but it, it simply means acknowledging that all the events in the present the present moment are relevant to both the present moment and the future moment. And like Jesus says in Matthew's chapter six, Matthew's <laughs> as Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. Verse 33, 34, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own problems. So the relevance of being in the present moment means that you're able to understand how valuable that moment is. Think about Jesus uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Um, he understood the gravity of his situation. He understood the relevance of prayer. Disciples did not. Not that they had not prayed with him before. There have been many moments where they prayed. They even asked him to teach them how to pray. They even asked him to demonstrate it. And he showed them by teaching them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. But but they were not able to stay in the moment as he was. You know, he spent a vast majority of his time secluded in prayer. And when you read throughout the scriptures, he would often go away and pray for hours. But in this moment, when he invited those that he cared for to share with him in that moment, they were unable to. 
and it was rather frustrating for him. He comes back kind of seeming a bit inconsiderate when he says, could you not even pray with me for an hour? And while we try to whitewash it and, you know, try to make it seem like, can you can you see the frustration where he is in this moment and he's antagonizing on what he knows is about to happen to him? And in that moment, he's bleeding, you know, he's sweating, like drops of blood, and, and he's antagonizing, and he's going through this angst. And the people that he has invited with him to support him and undergird him in that moment are unable to do so. And he feels alone in that moment. But yet, in that moment, he still says, not my will, your will be done. I think the powerful thing that we should we should realize in that in these moments leading up to the celebration of the resurrection we share in the value of the present moment tomorrow is not promised to us we all know that we 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 try to deny it but we know we don't know <laughs> we don't know the day or the hour put it this way the author in second peter chapter 3 says we must always be prepared just as God prepared and God was aware of the moment of when he would have to cause his creation to be destroyed because of their uh, so great wickedness but he also said that he's not so horrible that he would not allow everybody to be destroyed, but he wishes for all would come to salvation. Because he says in verse 10, no man knows when a thief is coming. My church has been broken into twice just this year. And in one occasion, <laughs> the first occasion, myself and the police, we had just left not long before because the alarm went off. And when after a thorough search and realized nothing was missing and probably just, you know, something that triggered it. But and just a few hours later, the person comes in and, you know, rest is history. We, we even after a thorough investigation, we were still not able to um, prevent the thief from coming and stealing. The, the life that we live we should not take it granted. Um, these moments are very precious. These moments are uh, are to be used as a means of um, relating to our Creator how much we are grateful to Him and to relate to others how grateful we are to him also that's the that's the gospel message in the essence we are to share the love of God to us to others so that those who do not know or who may not want to know they can still see us they can still see the light they can still see the love they will still know that we are disciples of Christ by our love for one another in the present moment and Although we have some heightened tension, specifically in, in the political sphere that is rolling over into the uh, spiritual arena, the religious sphere, we 
as believers need to understand the gravity of being in the present moment. By being in the present moment and by uh, recognizing human dignity, we can overcome quite a bit of the stagnation that is being uh, uh, that is polluting our political process. It, it really is, you know, because that will go beyond uh, political boundaries. So here's a couple other things, and then I'm gonna get out the way. Um, um, when I when I when I think about how little I really care, oftentimes for spirituality. When I say when I use that phrase, how often I little care I care little for it, is because I find myself as a pastor getting caught up in the busyness of my job, my work. I find myself getting caught up in what should I be doing to display that I am doing the work of Christ. And while that is noble, it's still distracting because I'm doing it to be seen doing it. And and there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, Christ did it to be seen doing it too. And it brought followers to him, but also those persons only followed him because they wanted to see him doing something. They wanted to see him feeding the 5,000. They wanted to see him healing the sick. They wanted to see him raising the dead. They wanted to hear him teaching because according to the scripture he was not teaching like everybody else he was he had this sense of authority so yes he was putting these things on play and matter of fact uh, the gospel account of mark says that he was famous and his fame spread abroad so people saw him doing things and he was doing things to be seen he was breaking sabbath laws so he could be seen breaking sabbath laws but in doing so in being seen he had a he has still recognition and awareness to know that being seen was not enough. Being seen was not really good enough. <laughs> because when you are seen, as he taught in Matthew chapter six, when you're seen doing, it could be that is your reward. Your reward could be being seen. Now in our world today we don't want to put everything on display. <laughs> I use Facebook. You know, now they have Facebook Live. Now they have videos and things that you can do. And that's fine. But you know what gets annoying to me, and I'm sure it probably gets annoying to you. When persons go on Facebook Live and they have absolutely nothing, <laughs> they're, they're, they're wasting your time. They're wasting their time. And they're wasting <laughs> the application's time. They're wasting all kinds of time because they're just doing it. But it's relevant to them. <laughs> you know, I don't really care that you're at a fast food joint about to order some food. I I, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, but you feel you know you have the ability to share that moment <laughs> with all your followers or all whoever you know. You have the ability to do so, and there's nothing wrong with that. But 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 it's this idea of drawing away, drawing back. You know, and while a lot of people are turning off. Facebook, getting off Facebook, getting off social media for Lent season and things of this nature. My goal is not just to get off, not just to withdraw from one aspect of this, but to totally be able to 
to withdraw myself into contemplative life. Um, and that's where um, Marjorie's book comes in, um, Thompson's book. You know, she explores these spiritual disciplines that we uh, that are practiced some places, but you know, not widely practiced, in, uh, particularly in evangelical Christianity. Things like contemplative prayer, lectio divinity, divina, um, where you're you know intentionally reading scripture and allowing scripture to read itself to you. Um, other practices of spiritual disciplines. Let me, let me see what um, they um, self-emptying um, and, and I'm, I'm self-emptying when you're fasting. What are you really fasting for? Are you pouring out to be poured into? Or is you, are you like what the author in Isaiah 58 says? Are you just fasting? So that people can see, or so that you can see, or, or so that you can benefit, and there is a benefit to that. But it's the emptying that very vital to this. Um, and I'm finding myself, I'm finding it more challenging to disengage in a world that is engaging you every moment. You know, I find it hard to turn my phone off. Uh, I find it hard to turn off the television every now and then. Uh, I've had to learn how to turn my sleep on my phone, uh, on my television on. I've had to learn how to not take uh, my devices into my room. And I like to sleep with noise, sometimes just white noise. Um, and I'm, it's, 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 it's the most challenging thing for me to just withdraw, not just from food, uh, not just from people. But to all together withdraw from the world and not go, you know, not talking about being a hermit or anything like that, but to take these moments, and as we spoke about living in the present moment, and just garnering a greater sense of your moment with Christ. That's an amazing thing. A um, couple other things she talks about in this book. That I I have found really really wonderful. Um, um, oh yeah, hospitality. Um, I I don't think we hear much about this. Uh, entertaining angels unaware. Um, I'm I'm learning to do so. Um, that it, during this season, not just to be aware of the gift of the resurrection and the gift of salvation by faith but also the gift of me being hospitable to others not just doing this in the season but continually pouring out uh, emptying of myself so I can be a vessel of honor willing to be on display for the master and willing to be used by the master but be given to being readily accessible to God to be used um and I think about uh, entertaining angels on the way, you know, be always be kind to strangers because you don't know who you, you may be ministering to or helping out. These things, it's things like this that um, subtly empower you and liberate you from 
the angst of trying to live in an authentic Christian life. When we when we really when we really, really look at it by engaging in hospitality, authentic hospitality, giving of ourselves to others, entertaining uh and acknowledging and and again it goes back to it goes back to this law of human dignity, understanding that our worth and everyone's self worth is the same, even though we may not be in the same station. Our life and our value of life from the baby in the womb to the prisoner on death row, the value of life should be the same. I just said a mouthful there. Um, then we are more apt to be generous when our, with our love and our affection toward one another and towards Christ. We live by his mercies. We live in his compassions, his faithfulness every day. Um, and it, uh, when we do that, man, I tell you, it, 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 it's it's very overwhelming. But it's in in both the short and long term, it's very rewarding. Um, I like I said earlier, I'm, I'm going through this book. It's emotionally healthy spirituality, and it's a wonderful book. There's several other series, uh, there's other series as part of this. And I, I strongly encourage you to get that, uh, the emotionally healthy spirituality, the emotionally healthy leader, a um, couple other things of part of this series. But but one thing that I am learning through this journey uh, is that while I am responsible for myself, uh, the greater responsibility comes from the Creator. Connecting with him, connecting with the divine, the the responsibility then becomes the divine's to make sure that I am. That's it. To make sure that I am. When I am connected with the divine who is, he is, Yahweh, I am that I am. When I am connected with with, with, with God, when I'm connected with the divine, when I'm connected with that, then I am. I am being, I am existing, I am empowering, I am liberating, I am empowered, and I am liberated. And I am then able to be an agent to do the same for others or help others in the same same manner. I see Lent much differently now than I have before uh, because as we climax... On Good Friday, and I'll be preaching Good Friday, you know, one of the seven last sayings of Christ on the cross. I'll be preaching one of those, and every time I I get to preach one of those seven words, the more the message comes across to me that it is not about me. It's all about what was done for me and how relevant that still is now. As it was then. That's powerful. I, you know, I didn't really want. I didn't really get into everything that I wanted to get into. I don't have enough time, and uh, still feeling, you know, still feeling the the edge of uh, <laughs> of uh, of this bug. But I I do hope that you uh, 
enjoyed it. And again, want to invite you to continue to uh, listen, tune in, and share. Send me an email. Let me know how I'm doing, and um, you can support us. Visit my website, uh, LorenzoTNeal.com. I'll have some updated information about that. And, um, trying to, you know, I, I keep saying I will be, <laughs> and I, I, if you know anybody who's good at uh, developing all this stuff, you know, social media aspect of it, website and all that. Hey, I need an assistant. I'm, I'm doing all this by myself, but a <laughs> truly a good learning experience. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, next week, I next week I, I'm excited because I have a a um, wonderful guest on the show next week, um, and I I um you know I used to have a lot of guests back in the day, but uh, I have a guest, Doctor uh, Gleb Tsursky Sapersky. Um, he is a um, he is a what is he? <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot what he does. Well, anyway, we've had a wonderful we we've talked about uh, uh, post truth politics is what we're going to be talking about. And he has a book that's coming out on this topic, and we're going to be talking about this and um, that and other things. Um, so he'll be my guest next week, uh, and I'm looking forward to having a wonderful uh, dialogue with him, and I hope that you will tune in to have a wonderful dialogue also. Uh, but we're about to get out of here, and so you want to make sure that you tune in next week to hear myself and Dr. Sipersky as we talk about post-truth uh, politics. Um, as always, you can also listen to archive shows any archive show, simply go to uh, uh, Zero Network on Facebook. You can get them there. You can also visit uh, iTunes and download them. They're available there. And uh, visit uh, Zero uh, Today Radio Show, Blog Talk Radio. Get archives there. And like the show, subscribe, and send us an email. We love to hear from you. We're glad that you are joining us and tuning in. But we got to get out of this place until next week. God bless you and God keep you. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm out.